Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And here we are for the fifth and last NRL World podcast. The Penrith Panthers, Brock, back-to-back premieres 28-12 to over the Parramatta Eels. Yep, we're not shocked, but I was shocked that the game was such a whitewash, to be fair. Mm, had higher hopes, like we said, all week. Very excited. Battle of the West, meeting for a fourth time, playing in the grand final back in Sydney. Full house, and uh, Penrith were near perfect in the first half. I don't know about that. I, th- I thought the first fifteen minutes they um, were a little bit, a little bit clunky. I know they they got the try to Crichton, but there were a few sets there offensively where they they struggled a little bit. They pushed some passes. Parramatta did a pretty good job, but in the end, just the the weight of possession and the weight of field position just told on Parramatta, didn't it? Mm. Well, and they they essentially just played Penrith into form offensively, and yeah. It's probably not so much that Penrith were clunky in that first 15. You've got to give Parramatta some credit, but you can just see how fatigued Parramatta got just trying to hold back the the wave, which was, was Penrith. Well, we talk about that cycle game and how relentless they are. They just never look like they get tired. Yeah. Um, well, further... we're, we're seeing it now. We've sort of got some highlights up now. Total scored in the 17th minute, and that was when I really thought, okay, shit. Well, we like, set it after is... the first few sets. They just immediately started to push them backwards and win that field position battle and just, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was also on the back of the, was it the Dylan Brown kick or was it Dylan Brown kick after this where he kicked for Moses? Yeah. I just thought it was a really... Desperate to make. It was a really poor time, particularly when Parramatta weren't building any pressure. So, mm. oh, anyway, let's go through the game. I think yeah, before who, the, those who are listening are listening out of love because, you know, we like to break down footy, but... Yeah. This was a pretty uh, well, again, yeah, cut and dry sort of result. But I've um, got some stuff here. Still enjoyable. Yeah, we'll go through it and um, give some wraps to some certain points. But a quick rundown for, for the rest of the day. No surprise, state championship. We said we thought the New South Wales Cup team would eat the points and win regardless. 44-10. Penrith were dominant again in that grade. Yeah, and they could have won by more. Um, the Devils had one little sort of good period, I guess, where they were held up out before half time and then other than that, a try which would have been six all. Yep, Jacob Gagan dropped the pill. Um but overall both started a bit sloppy and it showed at the end. I looked afterwards out of curiosity because we said they were a bit mm. bit slow. The completion rate for both teams was sixty nine and sixty two percent. So yeah. Um, wasn't a great game. But you look at Penrith, they took O'Sullivan out. They lost two players at the twenty seventh minute in Cole and Chris Smith and with fifteen they still won forty four ten. Yeah. Um they were very dominant to River was outstanding. Hopgood, who he tipped up for a try and to play well, was great. Luke had a hand in three, scored one himself. Their forwards, no surprise. Eisenhuth, Blacker, Falls, steered him around. They were just dominant all across the park. 
They were, yeah. Ahern had a few nice moments, Milson, Tamusa, etc. But yeah, overall, they were just they didn't look fit enough. They didn't look mobile no. enough. They they couldn't handle the pace of the intensity. Sixty missed tackles. They were blown off the park. Yeah. Even uh, Ricky had a really nice day. We said there on the day, like there's a few. Yeah, spots but we, for... we've seen Penrith all year. Yeah. That wasn't the best version of Penrith. No, no one near it. No way. No way. So... And even Jenkins, who I've tipped, he played hurt. You could tell he only had four or five touches. They yeah. So realistically, they played a man down, and lost their throw, halfback. Throw, yeah, that's right. Throw Sullivan in. Yeah, and so and then they lost two players, and they still won forty four ten. So yeah. we, we were very confident the week before, like we said, they would just chew the line, which was twelve and a half. They did more than chew it. Mm. Um, the also, line actually got out to thirteen and a half, I think. Also, some happy punters, and I said this, looked at this today, I listened back to what we said. We obviously were on the Panthers. We both had Dylan for the Clive. He got that. We tipped him the Knights and upped him to score. That happened, and, and she got man of the match. He couldn't bet on that though. And in the cup game, we talked about the points. Um, Jennings, Hopgood, like we tipped a few. So if people did get some cash on. Yeah, we've got a few messages about. Hopefully you lined your pockets yesterday. Because uh, yeah. there was plenty of good tips um, in terms of some cash. I got but, a few emails actually because I put in my column, mm. which came out on Monday, just get on <clears> Dylan Edwards to, to win the Clive Churchill. So I think there are a few. Jumped on. Yeah, jumped on. Again, you, I'm not. One of those guys that says, "Oh, you know, I said this or I said that." I, nah. happen, I happen to get that one right. I'm not saying so, that regard, but I'm saying I, um, for usually you pick one or two, but across the three games, there's a few, few winners there. That yeah, if, we had we had a good day yesterday. If people were in on the previews and like we were, and you try to win yourself a bit of cash, it was a good day. Yeah, we had a good day. Yesterday. It was a good day. Um, touching on that women's game, similar deal, thirty-two twelve. It was a bit more competitive than the state championship. They went in down fourteen six at half time, and when Samaima took that quick tap to get it to eighteen twelve, you thought. Maybe yeah, Paramount had some chances there. And but Newcastle could just... Couldn't apply pressure, could they? Yeah, took them to pieces in the end. Upton was a class above. She was outstanding. Yeah, just went out of Paramount. When they when they couldn't get 18 all and they had that, you know, that myriad of chances or a little period there where they had consecutive chances yeah. and bombed them, you just felt like, you know, they, they sort of conceded that they weren't going to... And we're going to get there. Well, full credit to them to get there after almost missing altogether. And then you look at Newcastle, who won the spoon last year, went out purposely recruited Boyle and Upton and then they've got a few players of their own in Johnston and Southwell and they're outstanding. Yeah, and um, look, that's the last version of like sort of a hybrid yeah, girls competition. It's going like, to be 10 teams. Yeah, we're, that's going to be legit. Like, yeah. we're going to, this is now the taking off of women's rugby league yeah. because getting to 10, I know, I know the concerns everyone's going to have around, oh, well, it's going to thin out the talent and, and that's okay. But the only way you get talent is to develop it. The thing with the women's game is it's not like the men's game at this point in time where you've got pathways all the way through. Mm. The women's game has to develop girls in the NRLW. They have to develop them in first grade yeah, to an extent. So probably for the next two three years, I think, the standard may not be what it was while the teams are yeah. so compressed Across the competition. And, and talent thick. But I do think in the long run it's going to make for a fantastic product and hopefully one that can eventually align with the men's competition and, you know, you see full-time female athletes. I, I think, yeah, it's probably, I don't know, five to ten years away. I, like, just going off my gut. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we can't get there straight away. But And then you look at your pathways, like the girls' game's taken off. Um, traditionally, like, when, when girls' footy first sort of came to popularity maybe ten years ago, like, I know we were... We've got a girls' uh, program at school, and a lot of a lot of the teams are just sort of Western Sydney based. Yeah. But now, um, Hunter Sports High School actually won the <clears throat> um, 
they won the St Mary's Cup this year, which is sort of our Opens CHS competition, and they they were um, a small, skinny side. Like there's, there's been traditionally um, some big bodies running around in the girls' game, very physical sort of game, but the Hunter girls were <clears throat> supremely skilled. So I think there's a lot of good stuff happening in Pathways. A lot of schools are now running programs. A lot of junior clubs, a lot of the junior leagues have got good competition. So, well, yeah, the girls' game's in a really, really good space. Your prime example is Jessie Southwell. Like, p- plenty of people were talking yeah. about her, but yesterday, she's 17 years old. She was great. Mm. And she's a half. So, you know, obviously, her sister Hannah's a very good player. Clearly, she's learned a lot playing in the backyard and growing up. But if there's more girls coming through like her that are starting early and playing to that standard with those other girls, it, it's going to, you know, come to fruition pretty quick. Yeah. But overall... Um, they were too good. Like I said, Paramount had their moments. Anderson early on the half, Preston, etc. Cherrington and, and Samaima laid a great platform and Gail Broughton was good again. But overall, um, the, the purchases, like we said, they made in Boyle and up to Newcastle to turn things around with their local talent in Johnston um, and Southwell, etc. paid off. And uh, Clydesdale was good as well, the back row. So 32-12, pretty dominant at the end. Seven tries to two. Pretty much the goal-kicking made it look probably a bit closer at times. Yeah. They weren't... Uh, wasn't an easy day. A couple on the wings for Kira Dib to kick, but um, big result there. But let's break down that first grade game. As you said, 28-12. No surprise. Um, we thought he would, and he did. He started with Kenny. RP brought him on a little bit earlier than usual. I think it was 17 minutes. Um, and on the other side, no surprise again. Nia Corey started. Madison went back to the bench. But early on, like you said, sort of that feeling out, that cycle period, you know, they got... At Cleary a couple of times, no surprise. They, they tried to get Reed at him with his leg speed, fell at his feet on the flip. I thought Penrith were outstanding on kick pressure. Like Moses was getting hit by the props, the back yeah. rowers. Fish got him, Leota got him. That oh. was overstated. That 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 came down to ruck speed. Yeah. Heard a lot of people again getting into Parramatta about, oh, you know, they weren't pressuring Cleary. Go and watch ruck before. Yeah, it's because they play the ball and trying to get line speed. You can't be offside, otherwise it's six again. Yeah. So. There are a few there, yeah, where they missed the kick and the markers didn't do their job. Yeah. But, yeah, they just lost yeah. that Once tackle they consistently. Through, you can't get, like you said, <laughs> yeah. you have to win that ruck to be able to get at them from marker or generally a line. Yeah. Half the time they were barely back when he was getting the ball. And he was walking and setting himself into his kicks. Like he was probably pressured two or three times or not. Yeah. Uh, Moses, on the other hand, they were getting strangled and he was kicking off the back foot or under pressure and they Correct. were constantly bombarding him. Yeah. They did really well holding their discipline. I don't think they got pinned once, but they were certainly letting him know that they were there. Yeah. Um, Kikiaos, Martins, these sort of guys, Leota, were all just constantly after him. But yeah, um, yeah they had that cycle early on. I thought Moses come out with some intent. He was hitting everything and everyone. Moses, yeah. But they just, like we talked about, started to win territory. We started to see them edge their their way upfield. You know, you're looking at Parramatta once they started to feel that strangle. They were trying to shift on play three or four, getting desperate to try and save the set, getting at their back rower, kicking off sidelines, which isn't exactly great. Um, And then, yeah, it just sort of, it unraveled. They, yeah. they did, they, once they felt scoreboard pressure, they went away from their plan and they were not able to put Penrith under any pressure, put any fatigue in Penrith, mm. and it just turned out that the game just morphed into this perfect storm for the Panthers and they were on as well. Mm. Well, we, we started to see that breakdown, like we said. There was a set there where they literally went from yardage, 100 metres, and passed... Uh, on like last tackle and then I think Parra had one little moment there where they finally sort of had a good set and shifted and I think it was Luai and Tago maybe had their backs turned and they stormed a short side and 
it was covered up by Kenny and Yo, but um, you know that's probably the only real passive moment I saw. Eels got a penalty off that, and they tried that play two kick that you were talking about. Which when I saw that, I was like, "This is a worry." People were saying that's great and it's creative, it's and you're trying great. something. It's it's Timing. a grand it's a grand final, and you've just Timing. been cycling for 15 minutes, and you've given the ball straight back to yep. a team that's chewing up field position and getting on top of you. You need yep. to hold the ball down their end. Camp there for and 10 minutes. Because they did Score. that to them the whole fucking half. Yeah. And the one time they got an invite in there, they literally kicked the ball. Like, it was just... It wasn't a, a, a bad play. No. Like, it was a bad play at that point in the game. Tyro cleaned it up and the thing was they were trying to catch it with whatever, but I just looked at it and thought it's it's nil all and you've thrown that out there. Like Wrong time. It's not exactly the time I'm sitting there going, yeah, this was is... Was the score nil all when that, that happened? Was, I'm pretty sure that was nil all. Yeah. I thought that was before um, the first points from my notes that I've sort of got here, but... Once that happened, yeah, uh, that really just baffled me. It really did. But Penrith also, like we talk about this all the time, how relentless they are on kick pressure and play one two. They're good on their end, but also defensively. I've never seen a team that are better at like that forklifting. They don't just catch, dance, and go to ground on that spot. They are the best at like good first up contact, drag you back three or four meters, slam you into the turf. Like any time Parramatta set looked like it was starting to go somewhere, anyone has a good carry. Penrith just put the forklift on. And drive you back. Like mm. there was multiple sets there where they barely made twenty meters. And then on the flip, they're kicking and Edwards and Tottenham are getting twenty off their first carry. Mm. Um, but yeah, looking at that, what I've just said there and kicking like there was this is pretty much the start of it, like I'm saying, when that cycle starts to happen, you know, um Sevo got jammed, they were doing the two pass again to sort of save the sets and you could feel them starting to the pressure come on. Got a point here that it got to the point where they'll kick from from their own 30 off the back foot. Penrith was starting on the 35-meter line, and the back three, Toto and, and Dill in particular, Staines did his job, but they were linking up. They were moving the ball, taking those meters, and then before you know it, like we talked about that cycle starting to come in, Yo was getting time, similar to what you're saying, because they were winning those rucks and they were passive. Yo gets like a three-wide pass. He digs in nicely. Dill drops critter back under because they've overcompensated the chase there. I think it was Lane that got held up by Yo and the outside guys sort of come across and Dylan falls over and straight through critter, you know, beats Gutherson and it's 11 minutes in. You just felt that ascendancy starting. Yeah. That's 6-0 and from there, yeah, it's sort of just they never let off but I looked at that play again and we talked about this before we come on. Their lead runners on their shape is outstanding. Like Mossessi ran a nice lead to start with and was genuine and it held up those first couple of guys which allowed them to get to that space and once they chased really hard and released on the inside that drop was just so simple Yeah. but they're clinical in the way they run their shape so it was multiple lines across the night where if you slam and look at the lead runners it, it, they're genuinely doing their jobs and getting through and taking defenders out of play or getting them to make decisions um, they did yeah but they really... also did like what we spoke about with um, being really really close mm. Parramatta were very, very tight on their inside shoulder. So Penrith ran those nice little narrow shapes with the lead runners really smacking the inside shoulder to ensure that it opened up that outside space, which was yeah, yeah, really good coaching. And when you're winning that ruck like we're saying about, we talk, got exactly what we were talking about. You get to play at those edges and isolate players one-on-one. So many times Penrith were doing those nice two passes and Yale was hearing the ball a lot and they'd tip into Martin or tip into somebody and they were just getting one-on-ones and carrying for 15, 20 metres and dragging bodies with them. And half breaks, like, yeah. they were just kicking the door down constantly. But no surprise off the back of that first try. Yeah, you're right. It was eight, eight and a half minutes. Yeah, they kicked. The kick. oh, that's why I looked at it and was like, really? 
they've had no footy down here and yeah, it was the first time they tapped and gone into Penrith's territory yeah. and they pulled that off and the half they basically had no footy down there it's the one sort of chance they got and they yeah. kicked it straight it's back a strange short. play that's a play like you do in the last 20 or 15 or something you're down and you need something so that happened after 9 minutes and then Penrith scored and this is what I'm saying yeah, that lead from Laota on the inside another nice lead there and then they've had to chase out hard and Critters just poured back through that space so yeah three minutes later they concede mm. but then after that no surprise their sets after points just perfect um, you know they, they roll straight down they have a, a set straight after that where we've seen exactly what we talked about in the preview where unfortunately Wanga Blake was going to see plenty of bombs Gutherson and even Moses the first kick he had covered for him there was five or six times I counted watching it again where they were doing the pendulum or getting back there and ensuring that he wasn't isolated for those bombs. Yeah. Um, Gutherson ended up having a really rough night, made some errors, but my God, you know, it, it doesn't help when you're basically admitting that you've got a bloke there that you don't want to catch football. Yep. Um, but, yeah, Moses saved him on one of them. But the perfect set after points. Gutherson then, I think he, he kicked from dummy half. They got caught on a sideline again because they just couldn't get any yardage. And I'm sitting there going, again, they're just strangling to death. They need to break this somehow. Um, Penrith then legit play two shift the ball 40 metres easily um, just three wide Yo digs in that line again they're like long long because the rucks are held up and Martin literally almost carried four blokes to the try line they were just tearing their left side apart which I thought they were going to be playing more to the Parramatta right hand side yeah. but they found a lot of love sort of shifting the other way and um, you know Cleary's last pass wasn't great. Play five, they throw one back into the middle and it, it was dropped. I don't know who he was hitting, but it was almost forward. But that was 15 minutes in. And at that point, like Sean Lane was hands on his uh, hips and blokes were down on the ground. I was like, this is really worrying. And again, watching it now today on the TV as compared to when we're live, you see a lot of that stuff you can't see at the ground. I was just like, wow, it's 15 minutes and they already <laughs> look like they're absolutely torched. Yeah. Um, so that definitely, definitely reflected a lot worse. Like I said, once uh, I was sitting there watching it, on TV, and yeah, after that, I think Dill in that 10 meter space, kick chase, you know, Papali, Penasini, um, Tyo again just brings it straight back to the 40. Their set starts and their role was just absolutely incredible. Um, and then straight after that, I think Arpi come onto the field, they had a tip play. To the right-hand side, they rolled Kenny back under, and I counted seven bodies on the negative. So straight away, Arpies jumped out, gone along. You know, Nathan digs in, kick out, runs another great line to hold up those players, and it's a three-on-two for Luai. And even with the ugly tip-on that Tago got and it went behind him, he still crashes over in the corner. And that relentless thing again where we're just talking about the cycle and they were just rolling upfield so easily. And with the field position they were getting into, it was just incredible, but... You know, at this point again... Well, it wasn't incredible. They, they do it every week. I know, but... That's, but that's the state of the standard game. in the grand final, like, they find another try there, um, just... But that is that that is the thing. Like, they made yesterday not look like a grand final. No, They made that like game, game just look like every other game. They went through them, like, literally just rolled through them, which was incredible. Mm. Um, but again, the leads, the shape they ran off the back of just that ruck speed we're talking about, with the same, same point, you can't kick pressure if you can't slow down the ruck and you isolate your edges or you get more one-on-ones and make poor decisions when your, your middle can't win a ruck. Mm. So anytime they sort of went to a shift shape, and what we talk about all year, Penrith don't waste plays. Penrith weren't waiting to attack them. Penrith were moving the point of attack, getting a quick play of the ball and then jumping straight back into shape. When you've got a player where Yo touches it, Nathan touches it, um, 
Arpy touches it and Lua, you call it stacking, don't you? When halves, fullbacks are involved in a play or touching, like they stacked multiple times where they were getting all those guys to touch the footy. Yeah, like I think their attacking patterns are quite predictable, Penrith. Like they like to get to that right, well, it's like right Melbourne, hand tram yeah, and then was... pull the trigger left, which is. Yeah, and they just can you get stop their, it though? They get their two halves and their full back around. Well, mm. not a lot of teams can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like when the block block thing with everyone was like, oh, Melbourne do this and Melbourne do that. It's like, well, it's one thing. I think it's so much about stopping that play. It's about stopping their the rucks middle. to get that play. But that was it. You know, like, you know what's coming, but it's how fast they, they do it and how well they execute mm. it. Well, that was 10 0. And how much fatigue they put in you. Oh, that's the thing. That was 10 0. After 19, and that was what I've just written here after that, like the relentless cycle, the territory, the pressure, the build-up, and just them slowly starting further and further upfield. Like they're trapping Parramatta with 20 and 25-metre sets, and then Dylan and Tyler are catching it and getting 20 metres off the first carry back to the 40. Mm. They're playing play two basically on halfway and coming straight at them in good ball. And then because they're winning those rucks, they're jumping straight into shape with Yo handling everything and their halves linking constantly. Like they were just on the front foot, but... yeah. At 10-0 at that point after that 20 minutes and again looking at some of that body language um, was was genuinely worried it was going to well, get... It's just a, a lack of line speed as well. Like Parramatta were just losing the ruck yeah. so much that they just could not take any time away from Penrith. No, none at all. Um, after that, same sort of deal again. They just carry and, and get themselves out and two passing, you know, kick out just absolutely destroys Moses. They double tip back to the middle. They get lanes inside shoulder. They end up 50 metres out, five metres out, next play, and then they get a drop out the next set. They've literally rolled 100 metres after points and then forced a drop out. And that, that was that, one yeah, here where Cleary goes through. Literally, again, you're sitting there going, like, holy crap, Like they've just scored a try. They've got to 10 nil. They've rolled 100 metres yeah. and then... Gutherson kicks the ball out. I don't mind the short kickoff there. You just yeah. got to you got to get it in play, and make it a contest. At that point, let me know. And and when Penrith kicked the goal, I was like, that's almost good for power. Yeah, the, this reset thing. and just get back in that. In Twelve that after I was 20. surprised there. I know why they took the two Penrith. I know. I, I would have taken the two, mm. but yeah, I, I felt they did leave some points out there. But twenty-two minutes in, twelve nil. Gutherson, um, you know, it's it's not a great result, but I understood why they were trying to do what they were doing. Yeah. Same deal again. Next set, set after points, 60 metres, and then Gutherson has to cover for Wunga Blake again. Eels middle just look gassed. They, they've done all the tackling. They were moved around the ball, the point of attack, the way they changed things. They were going coast to coast, getting out of yardage, like you said, constantly on the back foot, retreating, having to reset. Just really felt like they nullified, in particular, those guys that they, we knew they wanted to start well with, and that really hurt Parramatta as well. Because they weren't able to generate Definitely, what they yeah. wanted to generate through, you know, Borlo and Campbell Gillard and, and Murata because Penrith were just so dominant and gave them absolutely nothing. But we're even just watching it here, just just the ball movement and yeah, they just took the petrol out of them so bad. But um, they made a fifteen meter set after that kick out, outstanding kick pressure. I thought he did a really good job on iron, and it was it was that same story again. Toto, I think, collects it on like the twenty, gets it back to the forty three. Six again because they got a touch off Madison. Staines almost goes in over on the right corner because they rolled up field. He sort of pulled the handbrake and, you know, like they're just relentless there. The Dylan had a run and an offload and I couldn't believe they held on. But they get to Toto. He cuts back in, beats four players and forces another dropout. And at this point, again, just thinking this is three or four sets in a row, multiple try savers. How are they holding on? Um, and then what happens... 
eventually is that pressure tells Guffson jumps the short side. Nathan Cleary comes the open, sees that nobody's home, and he rolls that grubber through for Scott Sorensen. Mm. And at that point, it's sad to say, but I basically I was already feeling negative at 12 zip. But knowing it was going to be 18 nil, I thought it was game over because I just never. They're, they're the best defensive team in the comp. They never get tired. Well, I think I saw that too. I'd, they're relentless. Are Parramatta going to score 18 points? Well, forget even that. Like, are Penrith going to give, give up that lead? Like, once they got 18 zip after that period, you're like, fuck, this is over. Mm. They're not going to relent. They're just not going to relent. And then again, through what we said, those set starts and their front loading and their defense and fort lifting and the way their props played, like Leota was on a mission to kill everyone, but Fish was incredible as well. Um, their back, like, yeah. But they got Gutherson again. They got him week one. They got him again this time, but that was a real big death blow after three or four sets, forcing a couple of dropouts where they really took advantage of their handiwork. And, um, you know, that's 18 nil at t- the 28 minute mark. And, not feeling too great about that. Poor old Gufson wasn't having a great night at that point, like I said. And by this point in the game, they'd made 60 more tackles to the point we're saying why they were gassed. And but I'd argue there where Sorensen scores that they shouldn't have two markers, Parramatta. No, they shouldn't because they're inside 10. should have dragged a marker. Well, it's not that. It's inside five. Like They're at about the five-meter mark. Mm. I'd like to see a deep <clears throat> one marker there. Even the other Gutherson thing. needs to drag... Why? Why has he put himself on the left for them? And you go, oh, they got three, sorry. Now They've got three, that's just, why. So drag the marker out, put him there, and then yeah. you're okay on the well, open side. You only want to play with one marker inside <laughs> 10. And I think here he just, he realizes and goes, oh, He's no. gone. Yeah. And their Nave's done great digging in the line there and making sure no one's there to cover it. Yeah, well, best uh, worst case scenario, it's another repeat set, yeah. But at this point, like And I said, it makes Gutherson think about mm. short side numbers, which means occasionally he might have got the numbers wrong there, and then they take the short side, so... Mm. It's the game within the game. You Huge know? credit again to the way they rolled up field, and like I said, they've got to do a better. Like Parramatta, they've got to do a better job trapping that kick. Mm. You, can, you can wax on about the superlatives of Nathan Cleary, but both players there get an opportunity to hit him. To no, to get your foot out and trap that oh, kick. That. They had time to the pressure him. They didn't pressure him at all. Yeah. Um, you can't let that kick through there. They were sort of passive all night, even when they did have decent rucks like that one. They could have definitely pressured him a bit more, but 60 more tackles at this point. They were gassed. They got absolutely shredded. Um, they only had four tackles inside Penrith's half after 30 minutes. The possession was 65 But they, they did that to themselves. Exactly, but it was all earned by Penrith. They got those repeats. They rolled them. They, they did all that to Parramatta. That's what I'm saying. It was one of the most dominant halves of football I've seen, particularly in a grand final, where one team just absolutely blew the other side apart and they had no answer for it. But, um, you know, after that again, they roll another 50-metre set and get to the kick, absolutely perfect. I have to be honest, like 18-0 at halftime flooded Parramatta. It did, and that's the point. That flooded them. Mate, it that, should have been 30. There were some try saves and a couple of moments where it could have <laughs> certainly got a lot uglier, but the back end of the half... Um, they get a penalty, I think it was play four or five, where one of the only blips I think Tay goes on for too long. Leo Luai starts abusing the touch judge at that point. Like, why are you get dumb? There was an elbow. There was a, no, there's a forearm in that tackle. Oh, there you go. I didn't see yeah. that, but but um, It was right in front of us. Straight away again. Oregon uh, and Brown, I think. Last ten there, Gutherson, like they, they come out what first play there after a couple of carries and they have an obstruction. They're two plays into that set first time. Yeah, Lane runs into Cleary. You look at that again and go, the second time you've been down here, you kicked the first time, <laughs> and now you've gone two plays, and you've given the football straight back. Yeah. So instantly, Penrith kicked themselves straight back up into good ball. Gutherson under pressure. Um, you know, I think he knocks on 
Critter then gets absolutely hammered by Nathan on play three. It was a poor pass. Um, he slammed him trying to run a line, and that was one of those moments again where I'm thinking they probably should score here, and that was sort of those few only moments where they were bad. But then Lenu comes on as well, along with Sorensen, did a good job. He started rolling straight away. Gutherson misses a kick, which almost leads to a try, but Wanga Blake knocks it out of the way of Kikau, who, again, was excellent. That was a huge play by Wanga Blake. Oh, biggest player he made, because he certainly, like I said, was getting saved on those kicks. Gutherson was doing a heap of work to try and cover for him, but the drop out there, they go short, and they finally get a result. It was the third time they tried it. Um, two times it didn't pay off. Luai again, head high tackle, lets him out of their half. They, they get to the 50. Um, and then they clean it up right on their goal line with the wide. But realistically, like I said, coming at halftime, all that stuff, which said 65-35, just absolutely belted in the cycle. No pressure built at all, no opportunities. Penrith were just relentless. Toto, Dylan Edwards, the way they started the sets, their props were just next level. Like I said, Moses really had a bear under his bonnet. The pressure game by their back rowers on, on kick chase, Yo's involvement because of the way they were rolling to those halves, I thought he, one of, one of like he didn't, say, he wasn't not that he's been quiet, but obviously it's been an interrupted back end of the year. But I thought he was really prominent last night with how much he handled the football, mm. and he was able to do so off what we talked about. They blew up the ruck and they were constantly on the move. So Arpy was able to just work the ruck, hit him. They were playing three wide and just going coast to coast, constantly moving the football. Yeah, they just completely in that first stint took those forwards out, and I also read some people going at halftime. Did Brad Arthur stuff up by holding off on his interchanges at specific times? Well, I, I don't think he did. I just think the game was gone by that point. Like those minute, those props play sixty minutes apiece. They played their normal stint or close to, but I, I don't think making those changes earlier for Oregon or that really would have made a difference. Mm. Um, they were just completely blown off the park. And on the flip, we said what they needed to be good in in kick return that they weren't. Sevo got jacked every time he touched the footy. <clears throat> Simonson, that's why they were doing those desperation shifts on play three or four and landing on the sideline. They are trying to save the set with their edges, get one-on-ones to get a nice kick, and they were getting pressured off those sidelines because, as we know, they're not places you want to be kicking from. Yeah, they just went away from their plane. Mm. They got rattled. So, oh, they didn't have one. That pretty much sums up the first half. Um, the second half, well, there wasn't a lot more to it, but similar deal. The first sort of 20 minutes is... Uh, <laughs> What really saw things, you know, deteriorate. But first set, crush a tackle um, at the Penner 40 by Madison. It's not exactly how you want to start. They kick at Wunga Blake. Again, I thought he dropped it forward to Papa Lee, but they somehow didn't get the call on that one, which really surprised me. Um, but sure enough, Eels again pretty much kicking from the 20. Toto catches on the 20 and brings it back to the 40. I'm like, here we go again. It's the exact same thing. Well, the way the way they're starting their sets is ridiculous, and Kickouts kick pressure. It was just another one, and Gutherson for the fourth or fifth time had to cover for Wunga Blake, and then he takes the next carry and drops the football, mm. and instantly Penrith are inside their ten. And I'm at that point obviously worried that we know it's coming next, and sure enough, they go sideline to sideline, tram to tram. Yo comes up with a bit of a bust late in the set after being under pressure, and this is probably the one controversial moment that we talked about before. Kikau runs that lead when they generate that three-on-two for Toto to score the second try, um, and you thought that should have been a no-try. Yeah, it should have been, because he runs into his space on his outside shoulder. It's been a penalty all year. 
I, I understand. So you don't the think... people. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Go and say what you're going to say. I just thought when I watched it on a replay, you thought Moses initiated the. Contact. I agree with you, but to me, he but gets he gets caught in the chair and I agree then he with jumps that. last minute. I agree with that. Purposely, we fucking wax lyrical on yeah, about we want consistency, and then everyone's happy for that to be a try. You're all kidding yourselves. That's and I thought the pass was forward anyway. From Tago to Toll. Toll was laying down waiting for it to be disallowed. Like, anyway, this is the thing. Stop bitching about consistency when you're happy for that to be a try. Because all I heard today was, oh, you know, that, that's it's good that they allowed that. Okay. Well, you know, in round one next year when someone whacks someone's outside shoulder off, everyone will be jumping up and down because it's not a penalty. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, My main point Who was- initiated the contact? Well... Viliami initiated the contact because he was there. Well, he was in the he... outside space, and if you watch the line, he actually closes into Moses. In that in that situation, once he got Moses in, he should have stepped off his right foot and gone away from Moses. Well, I thought he didn't pull up on his run. I'm saying that's what I'm saying. I thought Moses very late. I said he was through the the, the video. I said he was through the gap. Well, I didn't. Think he that. wasn't through the gap. If he was through the gap, Moses would have been able to touch him. It's fucking ridiculous. It was yeah. such a dumb call. So. That one obviously went up on the board. It doesn't like it. It didn't affect the game. No. But which is probably the only thing you could say for it. But but look, if that's disallowed, right? And then Sevo scores when he drops it. Yeah, it's a twelve point swim. Yeah, it's a six point game. Potentially get their first little twelve point game sniff, but um, in the end, like you said, they they were very clinical. Any error was punished, and they punished that error again. Like you said, by, by the interpretation, probably should have been a no try. So. But it, like everyone's saying, oh, you know, Moses Moses sort of grabbed him and dove. Of course he did. Yeah, well, of course he, he knew did. he was fucked, basically. But if you want to eradicate that, don't do it on grand final day mm. because that's been a penalty all year. Mm. So that was the four. Well, I agree that they need to they need to look at that, and they've just the criteria this year was very much inside shoulder, outside shoulder, because they're saying it's a defensive decision. No, the, the defensive decision was Moses to go in so hard on his inside shoulder, which was the wrong movement, right? Which creates a space for Toto to score. But he should then be able to get back out and at least compete to try and go to the corner post. Mm. But he was denied that by the fact that Kikau was in that yeah, space. But I'm... If Kikau had... If Kikau had gone through the space and gone past Moses, we're not even talking about. Well, I think that's the point, though. He never pulled up on his run, but I think because he was stuck in the chair, he was there. He was in his space. Yeah, he's jumped and initiated it, knowing he was fucked, and he was in the chair. Like he had no. I agree with that. So I'm I, I it agree going, with well, that. It doesn't. But that's not the, the rule. Player. That's not how it's been interpreted all year. Yeah, well, I think if you're going to put an actual proper football, what he should have done is not grabbed him. And tried to go across and just bumped him. But, but I think he knew. But then he what in... would have happened is if he didn't fall, there would no one would have, would have even looked he, at it and they awarded it. Had to jump from that flat chair sitting position just to initiate the contact. And this is the game that we've created. He was so desperate that you need to exaggerate your defensive or lack of ability to defend in some situations, mm. and the game rewards it. Yeah. So if you want to go for, go away from that, do it as a whole of game thing, not just fucking pick and choose when you want to say, "Oh, that was that was shit." You know, that was diving or whatever you want to call it. That was gamesmanship. But at the moment, that's the game. That's the way the game's interpreted. Yeah. Well, again, every error was punished in that one, rightly or wrongly. went up on the board. Um, and we'd spoken about that, about how tight he gets on his inside shoulder. Yeah, well, we're talking about Papali. He might have to make a decision, and that's why 
Penasini is someone. But it's not Papa Lee. Like Papa no, Lee can we, only go as hard as he we, as he we talk, as he naturally can. We talked about it during but the Moses week. Moses shouldn't have been that tight on his no, inside shoulder. But we talked about it during the week because people... he was so tight that Viliami ended up on his outside shoulder. Yeah, but we talked about it during the week because people were saying that Penasini had the most try causes. Most of the tries that are going out there because of what happens on the inside. Please, the yeah. bloke gets left in the lurch. This is numbers, man. So it's it's I understand what the numbers are telling you. To look you. at a stat and go, are they score in that space? And what, well, it's generally what happens on the inside, which is the reason why they score in that space. Yeah. That's stupid to go, he can't defend. It's like, well, he's and actually- as I said a few weeks ago, the best thing to ever happen to Penrith was Moses smashing Kenny Bromwich in round 25 because he got a stiffy over it. And every week after that, he was so much tighter on his inside shoulder yeah, trying and to wanted to go in and fucking smash the lead. Yeah. But Good coaching by Penrith. 22 zip. At the 48th minute, like I said, every error was punished. Luckily, they didn't need Nathan's goal kicking as much because he didn't have a greatest night from the sideline. He's usually very good out wide um, from his preferred side, but two of them he missed. So set after that, no different. 50 metres, perfect set, get to a kick. Sevo gets jacked. They, they have a strip penalty, which I didn't agree was a strip. I just thought he's gone in to hit him and he sort of had that loose arm contact and they challenged it and they were successful. So I thought that was correct for Penrith. Um, but they got the ball back and then the Eels again just continue to hurt themselves two errors in their own half Gutherson has to clean up a, a Pendicini drop and I think Tago um, not long after that ends up going for the HIA they get themselves sort of out of yardage and he cops a shoulder in the face which was more just an accident so Semin saw his first action like we talk about we didn't think he'd be needed unless they blew the scoreline out or that to roll him in so in that situation that was the case. Um, and, and that off the back of that set and that stop where Parramatta got a breather, they finally got a decent set start. They got up to about the 30 from Sevo. Madison come up with an offload. Brown uh, was three in then and got like a six again. And they had one of their first chances inside the pen of 20. And they covered really well. And Semin come up with a really important defensive decision fresh on the field. So I thought that was a pretty big moment for Penrith. And um, showed, obviously, that they were going to do both sides of the ball as we expect. And they're the best defensive team in in the comp for a reason. But he cleaned up Gutherson. They got another opportunity after that with a six again. But again, they just scrambled. They started shifting. They had a nice wraparound play, which ended up leading to getting Staines to come up into that space. And it looked like Sevo was going to go in for all money, but Crichton come up. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. With a great cover tackle from behind. You should have probably passed a lane, but that was another big moment. Should have scored. And it, again, just sums up the night. Why they were so good with the football and had all that possession, the few times Penrith were asked to defend, they not only did they defend well, but they come up with a try saver. Good know your opportunities. So, Sevo um, losing that one was a big moment. And, um, you know, not long after that, dropped the football. Chance, obviously, blown. Three or four sets. Penrith cover again. Um, they just roll and hand it over on the 10 metres. Just too good. And then a grubber play by... Reed Marnie played two or three when they were just trapped and we had a very Sattler-esque tackle by Dylan Edwards, which was a great, great effort. Charlie Staines didn't have the toe to go with Simonson who was moving. Leota 
in that vision, full credit to him, was chasing very hard on the inside, but Dylan Edwards, what a tackle. Yeah. And poor old Simonson ended up ending his night. I think he must have landed hard on his AC joint or his shoulder, but that that's one of the best grand final tackles you're going to see. And he, yeah, was, he was excellent on the night, but that pretty much just sums up Dylan Edwards as a play, mm. that play. Yeah. He's not your Tedesco, he's not your Latrell like we've talked about, but... But just, that's the underrated up. element of Panthers. Yeah. Like they, Getting, they do, they value that. They value every... Yeah. Oh, I don't know. They fell away a little bit in the last five. Yeah, I conceded well, a couple of late. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have been happy with that. No, twenty-eight nil. Yeah, and garbage time. They started playing Harlem Grove troubles footy, but that, those sort of moments. Well, the kick, up. the kick got from Marnie was on what play two. Mm, they, were, they were just trapped. They're inside yeah. their ten. Yeah, but they started to throw caution to the wind a little bit. Yeah, they needed to. Mm. But that, that like I said, sums up someone like Edwards. He's play. He's carries early in the set, getting the kicks on the full, taking twenty meters, pushing through the middle, cover tackle. Um, that was a huge play, but. Huge tackle. The defence, like we said, in the few moments they had to turn up, they did. They covered everything. They saved a try. They've saved a second try there off a huge line break. They they never switch off on that side of the ball. If anything, Penrith values that side of the football more than they do their attack, yeah. which is the reason why they are. They definitely do. Yeah. The team that they are, but yeah. Off the back of that, um, they have to roll him off the field, which obviously hurts. That mistake, again, punished. Arpy rolls 20 metres out of dummy half because they're going... Yo with another one of those nice wide tip-ons gets it to Nath who digs into Dill. They create another two-on-one where Staines ends up crashes over and we talked about it again earlier. The leads. Crichton's lead was absolutely fucking outstanding. He got Murata near Corey to follow in um, after they did good work holding up on the inside but that just opened things wide up for Staines to run in there. Did well to obviously get past Dylan Brown who come and covered because I think Gufson had been caught up but all night anytime they got one of those shift shapes like I said again if you watch them a bit slower or go back and look at how genuine their leads are, whether it be the middle lead, the back row, anyone for them, they so good on their shift shapes and the way they run their shape. Yeah. Um, but they pulled them apart again and any time they had the opportunity, just absolutely shredded them. So that point there, it's 28 zip and again, similar to you, I thought they've probably left some meat on the boat. Um, but they roll again, perfect set. Fisher-Harris got penalised. They challenged that one again. No no surprise. They'll correct. They won two challenges. Um, Gutherson challenges a bomb, fails. But then Penrith, unfortunately, have a Parramatta moment. They had an obstruction on play one. Um, so they tried to challenge that and finally lost theirs. And it's at this point there, there's a few stop and starts and you could really feel the air sort of go out of the game. But Well, the air was out of the yeah, game. The, yeah. the, the eels from that point, that's when things opened up. They started offloading. You know, there was a lot of chain passing, which we expected to see earlier. They were going coast to coast with their forwards. Um, you know, Dylan was doing some good clean-up work there. But, yeah, uh, RCG, after they had a few little moments, that ugly cannonball, I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, wasn't a great tackle. But Penrith kick, they get a knock on. They get good ball. Um, again, they had some opportunities. It looked like they had sort of found another opportunity where Nath goes straight through off the scrum when Lange dropped it, but he obviously got held onto by Moses and just dropped it short of the line. That would have made it 34 zip. Mm. No doubt in my mind. So that was kind of another one that sort of went begging. And probably the third one that they, yeah, let Parramatta off the hook with. Yeah. After that, I don't have a lot more because it, like I said, sort of turned into that. Well, it petered out. Right? Globetrotter thing there. There was a few more moments where I was like, just proved about Penrith's defensive effort, kick out a great clean up. Off an offload, Leota had that cover tackle, um, which saved a try on the Dylan Brown 
line break and just they had those few moments in defence when they had to to go along with how superb they were in attack. Mm. Um, and that pretty much summed them up. But Sivo had another error during a bit of a scramble. Those cover tackles like we talked about. Toto, 30 metres after, you know, cleaning up a ball and then got a penalty for that strip off off Gutherson. Like, they just, they were relentless probably until that last 10 minutes. And then off that, Eels got a penalty. Um, five minutes left, Jake got on the field for, you know, his token run. The offloads start to go and Isaiah Papali cuts back in field, gets between Kenny and Coruscant, gets to Gutherson. They get that try and then not long after... Grubber again, Papa Lee picks another up, the ball's flowing, another offload, and Penasini, a nice kick back inside, but it was just garbage time. Um, it was good to good to see some of that footy, but they just weren't allowed to play it until basically Penrith allowed them to, and that was after 70 minutes of football. They were shut out of that grand final. Yeah. And even in the end, when they got some football and Penrith sort of did relent, or they had a few moments, <clears throat> they still ended up being out-possessed 56-44. to mm. um, Penrith ruthlessly completed 86-70, to Parramatta, and we talked about on the night how important set starts were on both sides. Not only did they jam them on the other side, but the kick return meters, Penner 330, Parramatta only had 120. So when I kept talking about before the job that Toto and Dylan did in particular... Yeah, but also where they're catching, how they're catching. Again, that. We spoke about that in the preview. But they, their line speed, their setup. Talk they, about the meters. It's more about where and when they're catching and how they're catching. And well, Penrith are getting on the full and cover. Like they just, mm. They're so good at what they do. And then the way they tee off, like Parramatta probably weren't as good play. Yeah, but one. Penrith are putting hard on the ball and landing it and catch it and landing on you as soon as you catch it. Mm. Whereas because Parramatta aren't winning the field position, they're having to kick long, mm. which means they've got to chase further and gives Penrith the ability to run back for more metres. Yeah. It's more an indication of field position. Also with that, they forced three dropouts. With that field position, the errors finished 12-8, and I dare say that Penrith would have been a lot less errors up until that last little period where they made three or four. Yeah. So it was probably more realistically, you know, almost 12-4. Garbage stage. yeah. But overall, they dominated North Facets. I think Dylan, you'd, you'd agree, is a worthy winner. Easily. He was outstanding. Oh, look, you know, tell you what, then on rewatching it, Brian Tyler would have gone very close. He yeah, was, I, I disagree. He I, yeah, he was good. good but, uh, yeah. Um, I think Nathan... I would have had Moses... Nathan was good on. without being outstanding. Um had some no, good Nathan moments. Was, Nathan was very good. Yeah, he had a few errors as well, but I, I think the props were outstanding. Fish was just mental, 200 plus, and carried all night. Good kick pressure. Mossessi, like you said, carried well, but defensively, he whacked everyone. Yeah. Yo was great. He was, he was my second best player. Kickow and Martin, I thought, were great. Um, their kick pressure, it's more the small stuff again that you see when you watch a game. And Sorensen and Lenyu did what you want them to do when they came on. They made an impact. Lenyu rolled and got him good rucks. Sorensen scored a try, and it was good. Salmon did it, you know, and he got his token sort of stint there. And Arpy obviously did exactly what you were hoping for when he got on too. His first touch was an involvement in a try. Stole some metres, which led to another try. Great deception. Overall, you, you couldn't wrap them enough. But as, as a team effort, collectively, in particular with their defence, they were magnificent. Yeah. Um, you couldn't say anyone... Dominant winners. Mm. Like Tago and Staines and all those guys, smaller parts. But, you know, Tago, the two times you need to execute... Got to the tries, any catch that Staines took, he did his job with his, you know, his carries, and he finished off the opportunity. As a whole, that was one of the best team efforts or collective team performances in a grand final. Yeah, certainly in recent history. Mm. Um, on the flip, uh, probably but, since the storm smacked the Cowboys, mm. it, it was harder to find a lot of positives on the flip side. I, I'll give Reed Marnie a rap. He had to, it had to do some defence because they obviously were blowing away, but I think he made fifty-eight tackles or something like that. He 
He got absolutely yeah. jammed. They were uh, just outclassed. Thought Papali'i had some nice moments when they finally got some footy, but again, they targeted that edge heavily. Paulo and RCG didn't win the middle early. No, they, they weren't allowed to. They just got blown away. And um, I thought Madison had a had an okay game, but overall, like you said, that their halves weren't allowed to play. Gufson didn't have a great they night. They just didn't have the right temperament. They didn't come up with the right plays at the right time no. when they were under pressure. And moments like that early play two kick really worried me. And it reflected. That. They took a short side at one point there and got tackled on last play. Yeah. They just lacked any polish and um, but they just, like polish, said, patience, and composure. I think. They were completely taken out of the, in the first half. Like Penrith rattled them. That first half was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, full and credit. at eighteen nil, I would have gone in there as a coach, not happy, obviously, but I would have gone in there going like that. This that what like the scoreboard isn't as bad as what that half was. Mm. So you can sort of but, you know try and build a narrative to. How how are we going to get back into this game? What what needs to happen? Yeah. You know, and full credit though again to Dylan Edwards because a few years ago, obviously had a rough time, had the yips a little bit, wasn't playing that good of football, and there was no. I didn't see I didn't see this in him. Some sort of questions about him. I was probably the hardest when they had Burton and Luai about playing someone else at fullback and not knowing if they can win a comp. They've proved that with the halves and nine and the thirteen they've got, they don't need him to play that role. But all the other stuff he does, like we just said, he's he's. The biggest credit I can give him, not just for the energy and the yardage, he's the closest person, I think, on kick reception to Billy Slater in terms of effort of getting to footballs and catching them on the full and taking full advantage. He, he tries his absolute best to not waste any opportunity to get to the ball yeah. and chew up the yards. He is also super effective carrying like play two or three for the middle. He doesn't just take a yardage carry or kick returns. He'll double up in sets. He'll go in, play two or three, go straight to the middle, use his feet get down, plays like that, cover tackle, sum him up, and, and his passing is getting better. They don't use him as much, but he had two try assists on the night where he, he chimed in on the back line because they obviously play middle services you talk about where Nathan plays in the middle and he swings to Dylan or Luai, who plays the halves on the edge. But uh, he his night was outstanding. Um, and I, I thought last year watching that game, we said Nathan was absolutely perfect last year, so it was hard. But I thought he was a very close second in that grand final. Mm. Um, and probably who, Nathan Cleary? Last year, I thought Edwards was very... I thought watching it back, he was yeah, outstanding. Yeah, yeah. But Nathan was perfect last year. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. This year, I thought... I was hoping they wouldn't do what they usually do, which seemed to favour a half. Because when Nathan had that no try, I thought if he scores that, they probably do give it to Nathan. Which I wouldn't have agreed with. Mm. I thought it should have been for Dylan. Um, but overall, like I said, their pack and their team in general was just outstanding. But a, a, a huge rap to him. He, he didn't get picked for the Australian squad. Dylan, I thought he might have had some sort of look in. That probably would have been a real cap off and a reward for the player that he is. But there's one thing they do know. He's certainly not underappreciated at Penrith. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think we give them full credit for for winning in two different ways. There's a lot of said. full credit going on here. Well, yeah, full well, credit. Last year, credit. under duress, they went the long way. They did it with their defense. Yeah. This year... They're good. Back to back, healthy. Um, they They're roll dominant. in. They do it in a dominant fashion with their attack. Yeah. Um, and again, we, we've talked about the Roosters. Where it took a long time to get there. People in our group have brought up, would they beat the 2017 Storm team? And others are saying other back-to-back teams like your Brisbane's and your Canberra's, they've certainly put their name into history Yeah. Uh, by going back-to-back the way they have. Yeah. And winning the amount of games they've had in the last two years as well. Yeah. They've been outstanding. Um, for Parramatta, I guess our question, like we said, where to from here? Can they improve next year? Well, with, back there next year. With the players that are leaving. Um, yeah. You got anything else for the grand final? No. I think we've gone 
into yeah enough detail on a game that was yeah pretty clear cut. Yep. Well, let's review the season of these two teams, shall we? We'll start with Parramatta. Finished fourth in the regular season and obviously runners up. The over under was 13 and a half. We were both over. Um, they used 27 players, 16 wins, four losses. Their away record was eight and four. Fifth in attack, eighth defensively. I think it's pretty much summed up what we talked about during the year. They looked very, very good at times. Um, they knocked off Penrith twice. They knocked off the Storm twice and booked that top four spot. But it's the other ones during the year that stressed you out about, well, could they make the top four when they lose to the Tigers and the Dogs and those sort of games. And um, You know, off the back of second phase, they were outstanding in that. All metres, one and two in kick return, running metres, etc. Their pack was excellent. They were mostly unaffected by origin. They got a few guys in game one who all got dropped except Paulo. Um, we, we saw more development this year from their halves. Um, but obviously, you know, week one was a bit of a blow. They got outclassed and they come back through Canberra with a blowout and then they had to fight back up in Townsville with a game which looked like it was all but done. Um, but the grand final, unfortunately, they were dismantled. I thought they were the second best team in the competition clearly all year. Mm. They they had a yo-yo season, but we knew they had one eye on September. Yep. They almost bombed top four. If they're not in top four, they don't make grand final. I don't no. care what anyone says. Uh, and, yeah, they. I think they got to where they deserve. Like, I don't think there's any shame saying that you're the second best team in the comp. But Parramatta fans and Parramatta, you know, as an organisation, aren't in the business of running second. So no. But I just what happened yesterday, I I expected. And we saw it all. And the other and thing I don't, as well. I don't hold that against Parramatta. I think it's more about how dominant and and good a team Penrith are. Mm. That's all. And unfortunately, so the challenge is going to be getting back there. It just carries next on. year and dealing with the season. Years and I don't think just, the, I don't think yeah. the the drama for Parramatta is. The finals, because I thought they played really, really well last year against Penrith. Could have easily won that game. Penrith go on and win it. This year, they run into Penrith twice and get beaten by Penrith twice. There's no shame in that. So Penrith have won two competitions and they've ended Parramatta's season on both occasions. Mm. There's no shame in that. But the challenge for Parramatta is how do we how do we ensure now that with the couple of guys that they're losing, that we are back there again next year? That's That's got to be the challenge. Yeah, I guess that's sort of the question here. Like for the year, we saw great development. I mean, mm. Brown and, and Moses and the, and the forward pack was huge. Like Paulo, Campbell Gillard, especially after the origin rejection was massive. To have guys like Penasini come in and play the amount of games he did, he was out, outstanding. They, they're going to miss Papali. Obviously, that situation looks like it's all but done now. He had another... We should go. He signed a contract. Go. Outstanding year. And Elaine obviously come on really strong at the back end of the year and Madison's role off the bench, but I guess you look at it now and we say, moving from here, Oregon moves on, Reed Marnie, uh, Marada Niakore, Opacek, Papali'i and Stone. So realistically, from that grand final team, they need to replace a starting back row and two middles in their rotation. Um, and what they've bought in, plus the hooker as well. Um, Josh Hodgson, who's coming off two bad years of injury and he's 34 years old, is he going to be able to replicate Reed Marnie defensively? Um, and bring more to their attack? Is he going to fit in with the halves? Because that was sort of a problem at the back end of Canberra. I'm sure after the injuries, he's going to have to adjust. Hopgood comes over. He's a good player. Um, but I, I guess with the way they use their pack right now, he, he'd probably be part of your middle rotation. Um, 
but Edge is probably the one that stands out. Like Momosia is coming from Newcastle. He's a talent. He's had some injuries. He, he's definitely got some ability, but I, I think, yeah, between him, Makatoa, Elzakim, who you talked about, he's not in their top 30. So they're going to have to... <clears throat> they might upgrade him. Maybe upgrade, but I, I just look, yeah. Can you replace those two middles? Edge Use Madison there and play Brown like he... So, yeah, they want to get rid of Brown. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. I understand out. that. They tried this to, year they were trying to get rid of him. They still Next year they might go, okay. Yeah, well, they'd have someone in mind, they, you would think. Talk Maybe the, to upgrade someone like Elza Kim. Talk behind the scenes that the Tigers are super keen, but with all the Papa stuff going on, they didn't want to bring it up because they didn't want it to try and turn into some sort of trade situation. Yeah. They've made their stance clear there. They want that done. And then yeah. if they don't want Brown, they'll have a look at Brown as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, the one only name that sort of come to head for another middle was they obviously tried to transfer Marty Tapau in late and he wasn't allowed to. He's off contract and available. Yeah, he'll be so there, you'd think, wouldn't you? If they go there, you've got a middle, you've got Hopgood, you've got Momosia. You probably actually, I think you're actually better. It could be, be potentially better. If Hodgson comes out and plays best footy, they get to power, he plays good footy. I think Papali's going to be pretty hard to replace. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the money one's a big one for me. Like, I think the dogs have paid overs. Yeah, great. But at the same time, there's not enough good nines. And to buy a guy who's 34 off two major injuries worries me that he's going to last yeah. you know, 24. He's a stopgap. 26 games. And for them, I guess they've taken the risk. They've signed him for two years, but it's got a club option for the second year. Aren't they saying next year's going to be 27 rounds, three buys each or something? Yeah. So if he's not healthy mm. year one, they'll cut ties straight away. But they, they need to make a real real point next year of hitting the market because internally I think they've got rain maybe for another year they use Brendan Hands in the lower grades but I haven't seen anyone really pushing through no, those not. grades at 9 no, and agree. nine's a position at the moment where it's really scarce Yeah, um, and there's not much available so yeah off contract as well just before we finish um, Sam Lozu was a Australian schoolboy that they have internally um, don't know what's going to happen there he, he plays a bit of everything fullback centre wing Naduki, who was a winger, and Hayes Perrin, who I actually think is a pretty good player. I like Hayes Perrin. I wouldn't be surprised if someone else picked him up. He provides you know, cover for all the outside back positions, can play six, can play one. But yeah, I guess the question, like you said, with what's going out the door, can they cover it and replicate things next year? That's right. Mm, so. There's a lot more moving pieces this year, though. Mm. So the season isn't going to be as clear-cut as it was this year with pretty much the same group running around again. Mm. It'll be different but yeah, because they're going to have to form up and find their style and find some... Cohesion in key positions. Interested, like I said, mainly to see... Top four, just get top four and... How Hodgson goes, and then, yeah, mm. if they can spack fill a few of those spots in the forward pack. Um, and then internally, yeah, is it... Is it Kim, can he step up? Can Makatoa do a little bit more? Is there someone else there? Hollis or a few younger guys that they had for a few years who didn't play as much cup as I thought they would probably hope, but they're going to have to find something internally on the market. Um, but moving on from them, the Panthers first during the year, minor premiers and the overall premiers... Um, 18 and a half was the over. We went under thinking they'd probably struggle a bit more with health, which wasn't the case even with that. Well, Cleary was out for the first month. Yeah, well, they had a golden run otherwise, though, health Origin. Um, Origin Cleary had five weeks off at the end. Yeah. They should have gone, buddy. Origin, they got the best sort of draw, worked out really well. I think they played Tigers and Dogs with their second side, which ended up beating both those teams. So that yeah. was great. Um, full credit to them on that. And, they use 32 players, which is more than anyone in the comp because of internationals and origins and yeah. um, 20 wins, four losses, away record, best in the comp, 10 and two, second defense in attack, only really because Melbourne had some big scores early in the year and no surprise, they were first in defense and we saw that. Um, 
they were the best team by a mile. You look at last year, lose both your centres, Momorowski, Burton, Catewell, May, and then come into this year, Taylor May goes on a wing, Tago goes and our other centre. Seamlessly, those two were outstanding. Crichton transitions back into the centres and, and has a pretty solid year. Martin into that back row spot continues, you know, um, to improve his game and they march on. Um, you just mentioned it, 10 games without Nathan. Still won plenty of them. Sullivan filled in. Falls did a job. Um, seven in origin. That, more players than anyone international. Still won during that period. And then just got good value out of all those guys we mentioned. When Eisenhuth had to play, when Staines played, Smith, Salmon, Jenkins, Hopgood. Like, they blooded Taruva, Sony, Henry, Blacker, etc. Um, anytime someone was called upon to do a job, they did their job. Yeah. Um, they won the 18s, the 21s, cut. They've got lots and lots of depth, and we look at the similar deal again, I guess, with what's going out and what's coming in. Can they replace it? They're obviously doing a good job at pushing guys through, but an even bigger challenge next year. But overall, like when you say who had a good seat, it's hard to not, again, to, to isolate people. Nathan was very, very good in the limited games. Um, Dylan, Dylan was clearly the one this year that probably everyone's taken more notice of. He was outstanding. Mm-hmm. He won um, the player of the year. But... You know, I thought Kikiao this year, someone posted on the page not long ago, they didn't really rate it. I think, again, if you watch closer, I, I, I rated him less a few years ago. I think this year he did a lot of things that I didn't think were possible were in his game. I thought he added a lot more of those 1% plays to his game. Mm. And he wasn't just the left edge back row who was happy to run hard or crash over inside. I thought kick pressures, line speed, um, just a lot of small stuff coming into his game. I hope that continues when he goes to the Bulldogs. Um, but yeah, Yowie as well. Outstanding, look, but we talk about all those kids. They're, they're props. Fish less games this year, but excellent all around their squad. And anyone that come in and did a job to see Taylor to see Tago, um, they were brilliant as a whole. Yeah. But ins next year, again, we make that talk like we did last year about how can this stay. Arpy um, goes to the Tigers. Kickout goes to the Bulldogs. Sullivan, so you lose a seven. Hopgood, Jennings out the door. Um, they're going to replace, obviously, Arpy, as we know, with that combination of Kenny and Sony. Yeah. So, the, but does this mean they relinquish the belt, or they just come back to the field a little bit? That's it. Because look at how dominant they and that's are. the question we're making. Garner, I think, is actually a pretty handy replacement. Yeah. I, I think he's shown good flashes in a bad side. Agree. So him yeah. coming in there, Sony Luke, I think, will fill the role with Kenny. Yeah, no, just have to, that's okay. What we talked about, move him around. It's just more depth. To try and help a him. Bit of depth. Um, and then you look like we talked about. You know, I, I think Riki wouldn't surprise me if he got upgraded. He's a guy I think can play first grade. Um, they've got the Puru twins, Lindsay Smith, Eddie Blacker, Tom Jenkins, Taruva, Jack Cole, who won the 21s player of the year, played cup. They're pushing a lot of guys through. Do they play next year? I, I don't know. How they fill in a few more gaps? They've got a few guys still off. Um, Salmon's not signed yet. There's talk he will go to the Bulldogs. Interesting. Kurt Falls still not signed. Surprised me when they lost O'Sullivan. I thought straight away because he's friends with Nathan and a good cheap backup option. I thought they would have been keen as mustard to keep him around. Yeah. But still no offer. Eisenhuth, I think, is extended now. They've got him listed here as off, but I think he signed a one-year extension in Christian Crichton. Um, but you look at, again, who they pushed in. Um, you know, Fakatu Mafi, Dayon Amatuana. Like they played a lot of guys up, you know, in those positions. Iongi. Taruva, like they they could probably afford to lose a Christian Crichton or that, but in terms of what pushes in, like we said from that grand final side there last year, you've probably got Garner getting first look at one of those back row spots unless he 
you know, lets us Sorensen start in the back row, but I think he'll keep him in his middle rotation with Lenu um, off the bench. You'll have those two nines, Kenny starting, um, and then obviously off the bench, Sony, and then they've probably got to have one more player on the bench mm. once you push somebody in. I think that'll be okay. But Motivation, injury, origin. Mm. A lot of things to go into it, but, but again, top four and give yourself a crack. Do you see, is anyone from that cup team for you that you think could take a bigger role or really come to the fore next year? Well, I thought Hopgood. I think he'll do that for Parramatta. And he's gone to Parramatta. Sonny Luke, I'd definitely. If they need another middle definitely. out of Lindsay, Blacker, Eisenhut, you think those three well, They're guys. all capable, but I don't think they're, they're bench middles. Mm. NRL bench middles. Because you obviously have to develop into NRL players. You don't just yeah. become one. Backline unchanged, one, six, seven, thirteen. Your two props, Martin on one side of the field, like they're, they're still pretty stable. Yeah. And more importantly, we said it last year, they had to make a decision like a lot of good teams do on where you invest your cash. They've done it in six, seven, yeah. 13, and their props. Yeah. Um, to make sure. So it's, it's a good base. Mm. But no doubt, again, I, I think they're top four quality. It's just yeah. a matter of, again, origin injuries. Like if they have the year they had this year where they're un, unharmed, like I just said, think they're the best team in the comp until they're not. Yeah. But while you've got that base... They could have won yesterday by 50 if they wanted to. Mm. They've got that sort of Melbourne set up now where they've decided on that sort of key core and they're just going to yeah. keep filling around it. Yep. So, like we and said... And they have... It's quite easy for them to attract because mm. they're so successful. And they're producing. This is what happened. Yeah, so now you can happens. get guys for less or find guys like Agana or that that are happy to move on for a little bit less and play. Correct. And then also internally. So, you know, I'm interested to see if Riki gets that opportunity or if, you know, Blacker and... These sort of guys get a look in what they do, and most of those outside backs are obviously going to be waiting for an opportunity because the back line is intact. But they're going to have Jenkins and Taruva and Oyongi all sitting there waiting for an opportunity. And then you look at that flag team at the back end of the year. You know, um, Riley Smith has wraps. Still need to see a bit more. But you liked uh, Lazardi at Tavali Lazardi. You played yeah. some cup and um, I'm Iceland. glad he didn't play against us. Yeah, Dayon Emmatawani, like I said, will. Fuck it to Murphy. They, they had some really good guys in the Peru Twins pushing through. And MG's young bloke played a little bit of both this year. So there's a really good core group there. Yeah. That if they do the right things over the next couple of years, even with like Mason Teague, their SG ball captain, and Katoa, the, the highly rated seven moving on, um, that's what happens when you've got guys there blocking that path. But if they keep producing, hopefully they just keep filling around it. Um, and I, I, same deal again. Out of those guys that are left, Pending who they sign or who's available, it wouldn't surprise me if they grabbed one or two more guys, um, just cheapies, mm. and filled in. But there you go. Wrap up of uh, those two teams and their seasons, and uh, again, congratulations to the Penrith Panthers, the twenty twenty two NRL premiers. Um, I guess the the last bit here is the the World Cup squads were named today. Australian side thoughts? Has anyone surprised you that missed out besides, say, somebody like Dylan? Well, Edwards and Hines were the two. I was like, how did they get in? Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't take. Well, again, I, I always knew that Lodge wasn't going to get picked for that for said reasons, but I thought they should have probably considered that a bit more with the middles we have mm. compared to taking a Collins or. Again, I knew they were always going to pick Jake, but I wouldn't. That's just me. Um, Thought they might have taken Hudson Young, but he didn't. Especially his Canberra links. He's done it before where he's taken someone that surprises. Yeah. Uh, overall, otherwise, I'm not really surprised at who he picked. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Um, 
Thoughts? Are they the favourites? Do you reckon? I, I still do. Yeah, I think they are. But I still I, think, I think New Zealand. Forty is very short. Mm, I still like New Zealand. Um, so do I. At the odds, especially. Speaking of that, bluebet.com.au. If you're going to bet with anyone, do it with a true blue bookie. Thank you to them for another great year. Uh, we still have one pending charity bet. The other one, unfortunately, did not get up. We have $1,102 in the kitty, and I think a potential collective another 150 or so in a few weeks' time from New Zealand. Mm. So if that happens, uh, hopefully we get over the $1,200 mark. But again, huge thanks to them for this year. And uh, They've already got the 2023 futures market up. And to your point, they, along with most I think I've seen today, have Penrith, again, favourites yeah. at $4. The Roosters are second on that line there. Uh, we've Brandon Smith coming and most of that team being intact, $7. Storm at 9 surprises me with the changes they've got. Um, Parramatta at 10, South 11. The one that really got me, Cowboys all the way down to 11. I thought with what they did this year, keeping basically that whole side together and being so young that maybe they would have been somewhere in that top four. Mm. But they're not. The Sharks outside even further than that, 12. Um, Broncos at 15. I think the big thing I took away from this is the sides they've got in the top seven or eight pretty much reflect what I talked to you about the other day. I can't really see the top eight changing much next year. If I'm being honest. Well, it always does. Mm. Well, one or two, but yeah, like they've got Manly on the outside looking in there and Canberra, um, you know, Dogs, Titans and all the way down at the bottom. Uh, Your longest odds is the West Tigers at $81, even with the inclusions of Papali'i and Mm. Arpi Coruscant, they lost a lot. The Dolphins, second last equal with the Warriors and the Knights at $67. And probably the one that a lot of people are talking about with Seraldo. Marnie, kick out going there is the dogs to make the eight. They're $21 to win the comp. So, um, yeah. That's the futures, thanks to bluebet.com.au and the World Cup, as you spoke about before. Heavy favourites still Australia at $1.45, but New Zealand, who were a lot longer odds before the year, kind of played out the way it did. They're now into 480. England a third at eleven dollars. I don't agree with that. I, I probably think Samoa are the third best team. They're at twelves. Tonga are at fifteens. I, I really don't see anyone winning it outside of Australia and New Zealand. If I'm being honest, but yeah. I, I think New Zealand are the real value for me. Um, you've got some huge outsiders. No surprise. Italy, Greece, Jamaica, Lebanon. All those teams five hundreds. Not not happening. But the, your only real big smoky depending if the draw really worked out, but I can't see it um, with the spine would be a Samara or a Tonga. I think Samara are probably a little bit more settled, but I just can't see it. I think it makes it a hell of a lot more competitive with the guys that have decided to play for those teams in terms of the quarters and the semis, but I still think it's Australia or New Zealand. But at this point, I just think Hughes, Dylan Brown, Joey Manu, but it's the forward pack. With what we've sort of lost, I think we're, we're very mobile. I mean, we've still got some good guys in our our pack, but looking at them, to be able to have Pup, uh, sorry, Isaiah Papali'i, Tarpanay, Nelson, Fish, Layout, like they've got a red-hot forward pack. Oh, they do, yeah. I think your only real question is back line. Uh, Manu's a lock, but, you know, wingers, it's probably going to be Mulatalo and Dallin, so you've got good yardage. Centers, Hiku probably gets a jersey, but the other spot, is sort of the one that worries you. You know, you got Chris going, who's a solid player, but he's not a world beater. They played Murata there early in the year because they got so many forwards. But um, I guess, again, if, if you win that middle, you can probably afford to kind of spackfill another spot like that. But I don't think anyone's got a better forward pack than they do 
And with that spine, one of their best spines ever had, I think they've got a huge opportunity to win this World Cup. Yeah. So. Saying Jamin Salmon's going to be signed by the Panthers again. Well, there you go. So, waiting to see what happens. But they don't have many left. Like I said, um, off contract, I had a look here. He's going to go to the Bulldogs, but he wants to sign for less and stay at the Panthers. Well, there you go. So, if they get him, it leaves Kurt, Eisenhuth, and Christian Crichton. And like I said, Christian Crichton was good for him in Cup, but money-wise, they've got a lot of those other kids there um, that are pushing through. Eisenhuth, same deal. Like for him at his point in his career, surely you take a, a lower offer and to stay. You don't want to go anywhere else, surely. Um, and the Kurt one surprises me. Against, again, it's not because we know him personally. I just think from their perspective, O'Sullivan was very handy, but they have a guy that you've developed through your system for the last few years who's a really good footballer who you can keep on the love side of things because I'm sure he doesn't really want to move anywhere. Mm. Um, I thought surely they would have kept him as their main backup and why Jack Cole is still developing and coming through and um, they've got some other guys pushing through there but I really thought once Sullivan went that one would be a fate to complete that they, they would not let him go Yeah. Um, so interesting to see what sort of happens there with them but yeah excited for uh, this World Cup now that the season's over in two weeks time kicks off on the 15th of October I think yeah, it'd be good. So that would be Sunday morning here. I think it uh, kicks off 2.30 in the Arvo there. Would that, that'd be like very early or midnight for us, wouldn't it? I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. First game is England. Um, they're playing Samoa and looking at those pools like we talked about. Um, I think you, you, your quarters could be very, very good with those guys. I, I had a look at it here. You could potentially have Tonga versus England, New Zealand, Fiji, Samoa versus Papua. And then it would probably be Australia versus either um, Ireland or Lebanon. That that one's probably not as interesting. But then, you you know, your semis, if it's Australia, New Zealand and Samoa Tonga, um, with, who's decided to declare for certain nations, I think that's outstanding. Mm. Um, but what do you reckon next week we do our season awards and a bit of a World Cup preview? Yeah, we can do. Um, and we've got something coming up. Some stage this week, we're going to jump on and have a chat with one of our listeners, me or Mark, yeah. um, and maybe talk about the World Cup a little bit as well. Yeah. So that'll be up at some stage, but yeah, next week we'll have a talk through the yeah, tournament. Yeah, Mike's a journalist at the Raw and runs the Chasing Kangaroos podcast, so we're going to jump on and do a bit of a dual, dual podcast with him and mm. um, Michael, been... Michael Carboni as well, I think. Yeah, I think he might have kicked that off, Michael Carboni, um, the chasing kangaroos, and Mike is on board as well. But, yeah, he's uh, been a long-term listener. They've been going through each country with different people. So Robinson they talked about for France and Luai for um, Samara, and then they've obviously decided to hit us up to talk about the Australian squad yeah. and thoughts and a little bit about the World Cup. So yep. that'll be out, and then, yeah, we'll do a bit of a run-through next week, not going, you know, Squad by squad, but I reckon we do sort of what we did for the sevens. We'll have a quick look through and see if we can... Uh, a quick look through for us is two hours. Yeah, won't be two hours. But we'll have a pick of the pools and see who we think comes out on top. Yeah. And then maybe do a little bit throughout. Again, it's going to be hard to watch those games, but we'll drop one in every now and then. Yeah. While there's football. But there you go. In-depth breakdown of the grand final. Penrith Panthers 2022 premieres. A review of the seasons of the Panthers and Parramatta. Two teams that should be back up and competing next year. Um, see how they adjust with those changes. And a little bit of World Cup talk and some odds brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with the True Blue Bookie. Thanks again to them 
uh, for supporting us and our charity account, the Bears of Hope, $1,102 coming your way and hopefully a little bit more pending uh, that New Zealand futures bet. But there you go, Boxhead. Yep. A couple of shows to go and we're done. Sounds good. So for everybody out there, you've got a, you've got a week off from football next week and then the World Cup's back. How good. But for now, I was going to say enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. There's none on, but in so general, enjoy your week. Mate. Just enjoy your week. And thanks for listening. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.